Today my guest is guitarist-composer Stephen Ulrich, probably best known for his work with the guitar noir trio Big Lazy in New York. His new record chronicles his music for the show This American Life. We've done many shows together over the years, so it was a great chance to catch up. Stephen Ulrich on Free Association coming up in a bit. So let's let's start with the uh, the new record, and I want to kind of get into this a little bit. It's a great record, by the oh, way. Thanks. I love it. I Thank love you. it. I'm real curious about how you first of all stumbled onto this gig because it's one of my favorite radio shows. I was telling a friend of mine recently; it's been on the air for so long, but it was only recently where I um, kind of revisited it and realized, wow, this show is so it's so moving. A large part of it is because of the music, mm-hmm. and so I'm curious how you how you got that gig in the first place. It's this American Life is the show we're talking about. Yeah, so you know, um, I have a band called Big Lazy, which is a, a you know decades long uh, project. Um, we have you know seven albums, um, and they had licensed some music from that from the band, um, but you know I. I don't know. You're you're in the you're in the music business. A lot of what I do is just hustle. My constantly hustling, my gig, <laughs> yeah. and, and constantly hustling to to get work or film work or or even just you know shows. Um, and this is one of the rare instances where they sort of had 
I was on their radar because there was some music already licensed, but I I went through WBEZ in Chicago, which I have a relationship with, um, even though I'm in New York City, and um, I actually got a hold of the music, what they call the music czar, which I, it's a great term, right? Uh, That's at, what they call him, really. The music czar, <laughs> okay. yeah, at, uh, at This American Life, which a lot of people think is NPR, but it's not NPR, right? It's, it's, it's licensed by NPR. It's a separate mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I proposed, you know, I, I sent him a proposal and he got back to me and said, yeah, let's do something. And so they, they had already had a, they sort of already knew my tone, which we can talk about the, the tone of, of big lazy. Um, and they, uh, they commissioned me to write 10 pieces sort of based on that. So in a way mm -hmm. it was kind of a dream gig because they didn't, it's not like writing for films, you know, which I've done where, you know, you're writing for a specific scene. I wasn't writing for specific uh, shows, um, specific episodes. Um, they just said, you know, do your thing. We're going to, they, they, um, it happened right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was kind of perfect because we were like, mm. you know, I was in my cave for, you know, <laughs> right. Two years. Um, and they commissioned me for 10 pieces. Um, and they gave me the sort of the guidelines of what of what they wanted. They you know the, they know my the tone of my music, but they did send me like a sort of manifesto of what the music needed to, how the music functions in the show. Um, so it was one of the rare examples where I felt like, you know, hustling a gig actually it came it, it produced something. You know, I contacted them and I I said you know if you ever need original music, so that's how it came about. Wow. Well, that actually answers my next question, which was, how do you write for a a radio show? And it sounds like they're using, you gave them a bunch of music, and then they placed it in into their existing shows based on the mood of the piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I wasn't writing, um, you know, for film. We call it writing to picture, right? It's, you know, the door right. slams and the, you know, the drum hits, whatever. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't for specific episodes, um, but they did have a tone they wanted, and their tone was. Um, it's funny. They 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 didn't exactly tell me not to talk about this, but they were like, <laughs> I didn't sign a non-disclosure with them about this, but they sent me like a a, a, a guidelines. So one of the guidelines is basically this is not a film. This is this is radio. You can't be overly dramatic. You can't overpower the story. Um, and you can't, you know, uh, in a film you can, you can be super sentimental and over the top with emotion. But for a radio show, uh, it needs to be a little more buttoned up. It needs to be, it can't be too sentimental. It can't be too, um, like, showing our hand, you know, they, they don't want right. to show our hand too much. And, I, and, I, and so it's, it's been an interesting um, project because, you know, I think what you try to do with music is like, get it you know some sort of emotional reaction even if it's even if the music is cold do you you right so they sent me guidelines for what the music how the music functions and, and the way the music functions is um it's cinematic but it's not like overly cinematic it's not grand um you know you can't break out the violins for the orphanage story right. you know yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, it's it's definitely not you know sweeping strings, and you know you don't you don't 
you don't have that but that's not your palette anyway i mean i don't i don't yeah. hear that in your you know maybe that's why they liked your music so much is you're you're kind of i always thought the big lazy thing was a little more understated you know yep. anyway for sure so cinematic cinematic you know by its very nature you know yeah um yeah i mean at the the i you know, also the budget was not, you know, they, they weren't asking for that, but they did, they know what I did. And it's, it's, yes, it's very sort of like, it's, it's a small ensemble stuff. And that's, right. that's pretty much what the record was. I mean, it sounds, it doesn't sound that far removed from a big lazy <laughs> record. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely a little more, like you said, compact. And now that you mentioned that, that they wanted that stipulation, that kind of makes sense. You didn't really know when you, I guess when you provide the music, you don't know how they're going to, how they're going right. to place that. That's right. It's just more about, uh, you know, mood and, and this sort of sense of kind of uh, like events unfolding, which I think is part of, I mean, all music has that, but I think yeah, that's sure. an aspect of my music is that since there's no words, you, you tend to, um, you know, kind of write the script yourself. And right. I think that was their... You know, that, I think that's why they, they, they chose me. Uh, I, one interesting thing is that they would often, their comments would be, you know, everything's great. I dealt with just one producer on the show, super smart, super, uh, really could speak about music. You know, a lot of times you write music for people and they don't have the words to, to <laughs> that's say right. what they want, right? Um, yeah. But he's really good, super uh, concise. Uh, he'd give me like a page of, of tweaks for each piece. And often the, the, the changes were a little bit like, you know, this right here is, is just a little too sweet. Like it's just getting, it's, wow, on, okay. it's on the verge of being too sweet. And it's like, you know what, that's funny. I'm the guy that writes like the bloody, the bloody crime jazz music, right? Like, um, you know, it's emotional. I'm not, I'm not writing chase music for, a, you know, there, there's emotion involved. So it was a funny balance where, of course, it's going to have some emotion. It just can't be uh you know like a hallmark card you know it yeah, yeah sentimental yeah right i hear a lot of these podcasts you know use pizzicato strings i hear that all the time when i listen to pod and it's sort of like it 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 gets back to now i understand because it gets back to what you're saying with they want it buttoned kind of buttoned up right. but it's i hear it all the time almost every podcast i listen to has some kind of pizzicato as they're telling a story it's pizzicato yeah 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 strings sick of it yeah it's um, like some kind of weird trope i really avoided the pizzicato strings <laughs> i don't think i used good. it i don't think i used it once um yeah and uh yeah i don't know there's something about pizzicato it's 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 um it's got a maybe a slightly chilly aspect that that maybe works for the you know what i mean it's not a it's not a, a sweeping orchestral uh right emotion or something right yeah yeah, yeah like, so it kind of makes sense that that you hear that a lot um, yeah that it's because it's audio only you know that they don't the the producers don't want something that kind of overpowers the story because you really just have the voice the audio so it kind of it kind of makes sense the feedback kind of makes sense to me sure um, i never i never thought of it like that way before but yeah i think that you know you know even in a film if the if the music's you know, successful, you're, 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 it's really just to pull you into the film, right? And yeah. sometimes you don't, you don't even hear the music until, you know, you go back. But and I think that that's really effective film music. And in this case, 
it's even more so because you you know it's under dialogue you know it needs yeah. to and there's right. not a lot of there's no there's no pure cinematic moments right like in a film there's plenty of pure cinema where there's no dialogue and it's just camera movement you have plenty oh, of, sure you have plenty yeah. of room for the music to to speak or to to be you know more present um right. and here it's really just the, you know the, it'll be little segues but a lot of times the music's playing under dialogue um, yeah that's right mo mo most of the time boy that would be really cool to do a record of like a, ra a radio play record you know right um, yeah that's more filmic i think than right than this exactly yeah. what you're talking about is is mo you know that the show is all dialogue the podcast is all dialogue they just need they need that sort of um coloring you know right been playing with rob by the way oh yeah okay yeah, yeah. he's he's bit. amazing yeah yeah he's one of my favorite drummers he's so um he's got such a light touch but he's also he can also play in so many different styles he's kind of like one of those drummers who can play anything sure um, yeah, yeah we just got, so i have a i uh have a steady i live in jersey city and there's a there's a little club here and we play every thursday kind of it's like a super souped up bar band it's not it's not big lazy and rob comes in place once in a while it's great he's great he nice. can do anything like any right we're just calling tunes he's like yeah any style i, I one thing i will say with with him is once he joined the band it's so hard to find a sub because we got so used to his sound that every time a sub comes in, it's a little, they're all amazing. You know, there's so many great drummers in New York, yep. but it's always a little bit of a letdown because it's like, wow, that's not Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> something I, I, about, yeah. Something about his playing really works with Ghost Train Orchestra um, where other drummers, you know, it's a little too heavy handed or, or what have you. you know? Sure. It's like it's like they say the drummer is is in some ways the sound of the band, you know. Um, I, I always say that. I say like the band's, you know, only as good as the drummer, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, right. right, yeah. And you've had some great drummers. I mean, you've had some yeah. of the some of the best drummers, you know, in in, in Big Lazy. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. And Yuval Lyons, you know, we've been we've been doing this now that the second kind of uh, incarnation of the band's been around now for you know. As long as the first incarnation. Um, a so long yeah. time, right? Yeah, you've always been, when did he join? Like, it was a long time ago, right? Decades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nine years, yeah. Oh, nine years, okay. Yeah. So almost 10 years, yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's been in the band as long as I've known you guys. That's right. Um, um, yeah, we just played last night. Yeah, we're always nice. constantly playing. We, uh, we did a little run uh, East Coast thing where we went out and played the music from from this American life. We just did that a couple of weeks ago. And did he, who, what were the musicians on, on this American life that, that so what, was that so the, the same that, band or? Uh, no, I, what I did was, you know, this was, this was me like in my laboratory. So for okay. the broadcast, I recorded everything. Uh, I recorded, um, yeah, I recorded everything. I used loops. I played a little drums, but mostly it was like percussive stuff. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and so what you hear on the radio is is maybe a little more stripped down. Uh, what happened was I, the first commission they gave me was for 10 pieces and that's the album. Um, and we took that and we kind of, 
uh, it was produced by the album's produced by Dean Chernow, who has a studio in Midtown, and he's also a brilliant drummer and and uh, uh, engineer um, and producer. And he took the tunes and redid the drum. He replayed all the drums. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of like the the reverse of what you usually do, right? Uh, the drums were all like loops. They're cool. They, I mean, the, the the gesture of each of each cue is there. Um, but you know, it's not, it didn't sound like it. we wanted it to be an album that we needed to flesh out the tunes. Sure. Extended, you know, some solo sections. Uh, so what we did is we brought in, so Dean Sharonow played drums, uh, and produced, and we just had one other person who's Thomas Bartlett and he played keyboards and Thomas Bartlett nice. is a, uh, is, has played with like, um, you know, Anthony and the John, um, Anthony and the Johnsons, that what they call um, lots of bands, many bands. Dove Man. Dove Man. He's Dove Man. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Like everything he touched just was like magic, I got to say. Like almost not, and yeah. some of it you barely hear. You're just feeling it. You know, mm -hmm. he was so good. Uh, he so did, he mixed, did he mix it or? Dean mixed it. Oh, Dean mixed it. Okay. Thomas, so Thomas, th just, Thomas really came in and just you know, touched the tunes. I mean, he did the, a lot the of keyboards. Okay. Yeah, all the yeah, keyboards. Right. So I played all the, you know, all the guitars and basses and, you know, some, a few other things. Um, bass harmonica. <laughs> I have a bass oh, nice. Harmonica. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you hear that a lot on some of those Beach Boys records. The bass yeah, harmonica. yeah. It's a it's beautiful amazing. sound. Amazing. It's a giant thing. Yeah. Very huge. Hard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was it. It was really just, uh, it was really, and that was all kind of post-production, the drums and the keyboards. So what's on the radio is, is you know, a little more compact and, and less produced. And, you know, I don't want to say you barely hear it because it's, 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 it's very present, but uh, the record is, the record needed to be this sonically more rich, I think. Yeah, I think I think uh, Thomas Bartlett also produces. That's why I asked if he mixes. I I know he he produces records as well. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's yeah. totally brilliant. I think he yeah. uh, he's the studio mate of the of Dean of the producer, and that's oh, I see. Kind of okay. went in and said, "Hey, I'm did you know you want to play in this thing?" And he sort of, you know, it was very uh, sort of friendly uh, collaboration. Yeah, organic. Wow, that that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's play a track from this. Um, I like the first track. Um, I like all the tracks, but I, maybe we can play the first track. Um, sure. Stephen Ulrich is here. His new record is called Music for This American Life, and you're listening to WZBC.
let's see i'd love to talk about uh big lazy because you know obviously um <laughs> i'm a big fan of your band we've done many shows together over the years um the last record um dear trouble i think was the name of it right right yeah um yeah so can you talk about the concept behind that and how it changed because i think the the record before that um was same band or or different yeah, band same band yeah. yeah same band yeah um but but really those two records did definitely have a kind of a different different vibe you know uh which is which is really great to see that you didn't just just you know create another record that sounded the same um so maybe you could talk about your your vision because i know that i think don't cross myrtle was the record before that and 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 dear trouble it just it just has a little bit of a different palette i know that there's there's, there's some um there's some instrumentation changes on there as well but um yeah i'm kind of curious to hear hear you talk about that a little bit yeah um yeah the thing about big lazy is that we we started out um you know we started out as a as like a, a kind of a jazz duo with a singer and uh we sort of um we evolved into a into an instrumental trio one night our singer we were playing a gig it was at C I remember it was at CBGB Gallery it was the club next Oh yeah I remember that place yeah and uh it was a really weird night we were playing and um on screen was the OJ Oh gosh they're not Chase and the OJ Chase I had a gig that night too and the <laughs> whole awful. bar was at the TV and we were like right. playing the soundtrack to the you know whatever <laughs> weird, weird America um and I'm pretty sure it was that night. This, our singer didn't, sh the singer, we had a singer and he didn't show up. Um, and we were like, you know, the pe people are here, we're gonna have to do this. So we just went out and we played. And um, I think once the OJ thing, they, they, they left the TV, people sat down and we had, it, we had a great show without a singer. It was really a little bit of a mess but it was the kind of the best show that we ever had. It was like one of those beautiful accidents where wow. uh, we just said, wow, we'd never had an audience that, you know, sort of into it. So we proceeded like that. Uh, and the band, the band had a lot to do with, you know, sort of cinematic music. Um, our first, we went on to the first album we put out was used on, uh, on this show called uh, Homicide Life on the Street. It was on NBC. So it was like the very first thing we did was in mm. a crime. Uh, in a way, it's like, kind of like the biggest thing we ever did, you know, the first album. Uh, so that that sort of set the tone and the, and the albums have, um, you know, flirted around with sort of film noir, uh, sort of suspense music. But, you know, that feels like a bit of a shtick. I, you know, it's part of the story of the band. I try, I try to... You know, we talk about it. You know, as people always want to know what we call the music. You know, and so I've I've had to, uh, you know, I've wiggled out of many descriptions and I've settled on a, on a few a few acceptable ones. I don't know, crime, jazz, you know, guitar noir, whatever. It all feels yeah. very, uh, like a like some kind of sticker put on the music, but whatever. People people like to be able to describe it, and those are those are good. Um, so yeah, the albums have, have fluctuated. I, I, I would say that the, the albums you're talking about, you know, that, that first album, Myrtle, might belong to the to the sort of the, the rock and roll aspect of the early 
band. You know, we would tour with like John Spencer, mm-hmm. uh, low straight jackets. Like we would go out with with bands like that. And so I see. And you know, I, I think maybe this this album was more. Uh, I don't know. Had some funkier tracks on it. We had a keyboard player. Yeah.
You know, when we um, met in Tucson, I, I, I got to play on your record. That was amazing. And we were going to come, we were going to, I talked to Craig. Uh, that's right. Greg, yeah. yeah Craig uh, Schumacher, yeah. Right. We talked about it. Uh, and, you know, I don't know, you go on the road and, you know, it always happens to me. I go to Chicago. I'm like, let's move to Chicago. I love Chicago. Yeah. You know, let's, <laughs> right. let's go to LA. But when we're in the desert, I really felt that pull, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and at least let's make the record here. But, you know, whatever, we all have kids. It's just, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it just logistically got more complicated. But, funny you mention it because i we're we're getting ready for the sort of the next charge up the hill with big lazy mm -hmm. and i do feel like you know what what's what's coming i mean i have you know probably 40 tunes you know wow started right i also have a lot of stuff that i wrote for the, the show by the way for for this american life i was commissioned for 10 pieces when i finished that they commissioned me for another 10 when i finished that i did another 10 so I've done wow. 30, 30 pieces. So great. Uh, it's used in a lot of, a lot of the episodes. I, I can't, I'll be with my kids in the car, like driving to soccer, and I'll hear like, "Hey, it, it's funny to hear your music on the radio when you're not expecting it because you, yeah. you enter it, you enter it kind of sideways, and you don't yeah. at first. It's like, hey, this is kind of interesting. What is this? And I've heard it, my music on Radio Lab a few times and not expecting it, and it's like, whoa, where you know where did that come from? And they, what they do is they they cut it up, and so they'll they'll loop, they'll take you know a specific piece, just you know, ten seconds, and they'll put it on a loop, and uh -huh. they'll cut it up and pastiche it uh -huh. and stuff like that. So it's really weird. Are they, uh, how did that go with like? Aren't you the one that sort of like got like? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I was just about to. Yeah, it was Jad Abumrod is the is the host. And, and you um, found they were using your music without your permission? Well, they they have permission because it's it's um I think the license is available for use, you know, um for for public you know, public radio stations. It's like um, a blanket license? I that? think it's a blanket license, but my issue was more that they weren't crediting it. And they were they were using it so often that they were the music was such a big component of the show um, that it was sort of like well you should probably credit it if you're because a lot of the other shows were doing that like um, how about pay the, how about you know paying for it I mean <laughs> yeah there's that too right <laughs> yeah so if you're going to use it that much well how about how about paying for it you know and those type of things but they. They were so lazy that they didn't do anything. They didn't. They didn't credit it. They didn't do. You know. They would just pick stuff out of the air and say, "Oh, that that works. Let's just use that." Whereas other shows, like all um, All Things Considered, for example, if you go to their website, they'll they'll list the the little snippets of music that they they played. You know. Right. And and sometimes on the on the podcast, you'll see at the end they'll they'll. Uh, they'll use that. So, so yeah, I, I was very vocal about that. And he, he got back to me and said, Oh, you know, we're gonna, you're right. We need to handle this. We're going to get right on that. It's like, all you have to do is hire an intern. This doesn't, it's not a big deal. Hire an intern to just document the music that you're playing. And, you know, I'm not just talking about my music. I'm talking every music, every piece of music you play, you know, just document it. Um, credit, all your music on all the shows that you play. Did I heard uh, that you were uh, fighting the good fight? 
take it take a single um, episode of this american life is that just your music or are there a bunch of other artists on there as well uh, it's a big it's a, a mix it's a mix okay yeah yeah okay yeah. and that's you have our, an agent to, that's working that for you never, or, or is it never. just wow yeah. okay all you oh. uh it's just pure it, a lot of it has to do with just uh i mean it's so like old-fashioned and quaint sounding but it's just like i'm out playing in new york and there's directors and that's how i nice. got uh you know i scored i scored a a series on hbo called bored to death um right and that's that's how i got that that was actually connected to right. the to the to the homicide thing the director's name alan taylor and he directed uh he did both so uh he just called me and said hey i'm doing this i'm doing this sort of you know it's it was a bored to death was about a detective it was it had a detective element to it but it was about this kind of knucklehead guy who advertised on craigslist that he was a detective but he wasn't he was just like a pot smoking <laughs> so it was all, the, it, was all the, the, it was hilarious all the funny stuff that happened that's great uh, yeah, I loved I loved Homicide Life on the Street. That was my favorite show for a while. It was Richard Belzer, oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, oh god, that was so great. They had the 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 whiteboard set up with everything. Right, but that that's cool. I gotta I gotta go back and look up your your we, piece. Yeah, we there. were in the we were in, in an episode, um, and yeah, we just we had no idea that if you're in if you're in an episode on camera playing your own music, like the royalty rate is like oh wow insane yeah. After that, I ended up coincidentally. I don't know why Baltimore figures large into our story, but uh, I was call, I got a call to do the uh, title track to The Wire. Oh yeah, I saw that post that you put yeah. on Instagram. That's wild. Yeah. And yeah. you know that you the, it's such a like a heartbreaking business. You know, you're just constantly like whatever, boohoo, right? But uh, I we did this track. They sent us the vocals from this from these teenagers, these kind of R and B hip hop teenagers uh, in Philly. They're called Do Do uh, I forget their name, like Domage, I think they're called. Um, amazing vocals, and we just laid the track in. And I thought it was cool because you had this sort of like gospely, churchy uh, guys, kids, really singing uh, Tom Waits. Uh, way down in the hole, right? That's that, yeah, that's right. the title track. I thought we did a great job, and I heard the uh, the producer called me and said, "You know, everybody was in the room. We would listen to the two tracks. They were they every they liked both tracks. We were up against somebody else, and at the end, uh, I don't know if it was David Simon, the creator of the show, was like, I don't know. Let's go with this one, and they didn't they didn't pick." And I was like, really? I tell me that it sucked. Don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd rather hear I'd rather hear that you hated it than like the decision was made as some guy like, you know, looking at his watch, like walking yeah, out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs>
I, I liked your version better. I thought it was cool. I'd, I'd never heard that before until you posted that. That was yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, every year they took they did a they did a different. Um, oh, is that right? They changed it. That song. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that was that was that was a cool. Yeah, cool it was version. cool. And Tom Waits has you know figured large into our you know the people that we admire, and so it was it was it would have sure. been. It was just one of those, uh, yeah, near misses. Huh. But you've had some, you've had some hits too. So. Oh yeah. So that's, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, you know, the, 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 the homicide went in a way was. We got like, uh, that's that's also that's a hilarious story. We were on that we were on the, we were on screen and you know for a good amount of time on national TV. Yeah. And the show's on NBC. Right before we're about to go on, uh, the prop department comes up to me and they're like and you want anything you guys good you need anything from the prop department and i was like how about like writing the band's name by the way at that point the band's name was lazy boy oh right that's right you yeah. changed it yeah yeah so i i asked the prop department to make a like a you know sign like in gold letters uh lazy boy right. and stick it on the like the red curtain behind us. And they're like, great. They came down, they came back with this like eight foot sign in like, you know, a half an hour. We stuck it up and we were on national television. It was like the best huh. advertising. Wow. We, we, That's great. Oh. Yeah. And we sold like, I don't know. We, we sold so many CDs because it was on, you know, we just, with this was, on, this was in the internet was started, but it was a lot, a lot of the, orders came in with letters and I actually had the boxes of the boxes. Of Is that boxes right? Wow. wow. That's great. <laughs> I just can't part with them. But, um, what but year was that? It was like nineties sometime 90, in the nineties. 97 maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Right. Um, and what happened when the record came out in 96, um, but, uh, the lazy boy chair company must've seen, that's how they found us. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? And so, wow. the, so yeah. And then what happened with that is that uh, they found me and they sent me a letter. They sent us a cease and desist order. That's hilarious. And, uh, and the, 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 the sick part of the story is that, you know, at the time I had a post office box in Rockefeller Center just because like, I don't know. I was like, hey, I'm getting, it's like, you know, I'm going to get a post. I'm going to, I've, I've arrived. I have a post yeah. office box. <laughs> In Rockefeller Center, uh, it was a total pain in the neck. I had to go from Brooklyn all the way. But anyway, um, I got a letter one day, and, and, and I looked at the letter, and, the, and the, on the masthead of the letter, it was a really odd company name. And I was like, you know what? This this has to be my brother who did this because he's a designer, and he made a fake masthead, and he's pretending that they're coming after me. So I, I went to a phone yeah. booth, pre-cell phone. I called right. my brother. I said, you're kidding, right? So what are you talking about? Like I have no idea what you're talking about. The name of the company was Harness Dickey and Pierce, <laughs> and they actually that that's like a intellectual property company. Wow, name. I was like, you guys are in charge of naming things, really. Like, <laughs> right. You're gonna tell me <laughs> Harness Dickey and Pierce? Um, oh God, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Big lazy, uh, sort of like yeah, you know, we had the 
the first album's called Lazy Boy, right? And the second album, we, we the album was done, and we were trying to come up with names. And uh, I put out a sort of an all points bulletin, and somebody, you know, somebody came up with a friend of mine in Los Angeles just sent me Big Lazy, and I, it's great because it's sort of like uh, it's got the western thing, like I don't know, a ranch, but it also yeah. has sort of noir thing and I you know big sky kind of thing yeah. yeah big sky thing but also like I don't know there's an element of, of you know there's a New Orleans thing I don't know there's an East Coast yeah thing. it's great it's great I mean the funny thing about the band I've always tried to explain what the band is by saying like if I had to sort of use a, a sort of uh, example of what I've tried to do with the band it's Elmer Bernstein right because Elmer yeah, Bernstein sure. he wrote the Magnificent Seven yeah. He's a film composer, right. right? He wrote The Magnificent Seven. He also wrote um, Sweet Smell of Success. And, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. The Man with the Golden Arm, like this East Coast sort of like, you know, uh, addict, like claustrophobic sort of pseudo noir yeah. stuff. And he wrote these like big sky things. And that, in a way, that's sort of, I think that's in the name, right? Because it's sort of both things. Yeah. And Interesting. And I hope it's, yeah, in the music, but... Anyway, not to compare myself to Elmer Bernstein because you know he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's 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 one of the big guns. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to. This has been great. I want to. Um, I want to close with just a big lazy track. Maybe we can play something, another piece off the new record. Stephen Ulrich is here, and his new record is called "Music for This American Life." And thanks for being here. Thank you. Great to catch yeah. up with you.